Hello. Welcome to North Valley Church's Sermon Podcast. We are in a series titled, Worship to Please God. If you would like more information on North Valley Church or our Sermon Podcast, you can find us on our website, nvcmd.org. Good morning. My name is Dan. I'm a pastor here at North Valley Church. When I was growing up, we I didn't have a pool, didn't ever go take swimming lessons or anything. And I had an uncle who lived up in Pennsylvania. We lived in Buckystown. So one weekend, we went up to visit my uncle who lived in Pennsylvania, and he had a swimming pool. Oh, well, that's fun. So we got out into the swimming pool, and you know, it's your standard backyard family pool. It was an in-ground pool. It's nice. But there's a shallow end of the pool where kids can play. I, was, I don't think I was in school yet. So I'm playing in the shallow end, and then there's the deep end of the pool. At some point when nobody was looking, I decided, wow, I wonder what it's like to swim at the deep end of the pool. And, um, I, you know, I'm a kid. I don't have a good memory. But I do remember, wow, I'm out here in the middle of the pool, and I can't swim. I'm breathing in water. This isn't good. So I'm splashing, blah, blah, blah. Eventually, my uncle jumps in the pool and brings my stupid butt back to shore. There's a difference between being able to swim in the kiddie side, the shallow end of the pool, and being able to swim in the deep end of the pool, right? You just can't jump in normally. Normally, you've got to take some lessons, do some practicing. I eventually did take swimming lessons in elementary school. But without the lessons and the practice and getting it right, swimming in the deep end of the pool can be dangerous. If you remember last week when we were talking about Cain and Abel, Cain wanted to swim in the deep end of the worship pool, and he was trying to worship God, and he thought he was doing a good thing, but he missed something along the way. If we don't get our worship right, as, as God told Cain, bless you. If we don't get our worship right, as God told Cain, sin is crouching at our door. And this is something that we so naturally can just overlook. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I've been a Christian for a while. I know how to worship God. We can fool ourselves into thinking that it's okay. Now, this passage, I don't have a slide for this, so Millie, you're good. I'm just going to read a, a little passage out of the Bible. In the, what it's really talking about is service, but Jesus is telling some parables, and he's doing some teaching, and he's pointing out true and false disciples. And I want you to catch the surprise for these false disciples. Jesus is teaching. Not, this is in um, Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Just a couple of verses. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, 
Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. I want you to catch that for a moment. Jesus is describing this teaching moment. He's telling a little parable about it. But these folks who thought they were serving God, who thought they were doing cool stuff, missed the mark. Their service was misdirected. They didn't actually know who Jesus was. So I want us just to be able to take a breath and go, oh my gosh, where's my worship? Am I in the shallow end of the pool or am I ready to move to the deep end of the pool? If I'm in the deep end of the pool, am I in a dangerous deep end of the pool? Because I'm missing the mark. And I can think I'm swimming just fine, but my soul is drowning. I want us just to capture that vision for a moment. And I want us to step into worship. Jesus is having a conversation with a lady, and they're talking about worship, and Jesus gives us a crystal clear picture about his expectation for worship. This is out of John chapter 4. We're only going to read a few verses, only two verses out of this today. Jesus, in speaking this woman, says, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. So if you're a note taker and you got your ink pen, something, a couple of things I've underlined. The time has now come. It's here. Jesus, was, Jesus is teaching this woman because she's asking about worship, and he's letting her know, yeah, it used to be that way in the past. Something is changing. Change is coming. That was 2,000 years ago. For us, the change is here. This is reality for us today. And then the question I want us to wrestle with is, um, am I a true worshiper? Am I truly worshiping God? And Jesus points out these two parameters about being a true worshiper, that we're going to do it in the Spirit, note, capital S. So Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit, not just our feelings or what's going on inside of us. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And then he's talking about truth. And if you've got your pen and you're taking notes, that last phrase there, his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. It's not optional. We don't get to choose another way. This is the way Jesus is describing us as personal relationship with God worshipers. If I want to do it and be a true worshiper, I've got to be doing it in the Spirit and in truth. So, let's just say what Jesus said, but I'm going to put it more plainly in Dan language. Millie, if you could help me out. You cannot truly worship God without the involvement of the Holy Spirit. You cannot 
worship God without the involvement of the Holy Spirit. You cannot truly worship God without knowing and pursuing the truth. You cannot truly worship God without knowing and pursuing the truth. Now, many of us probably read that and go, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. All right, yeah. Um, and we can gloss over the bullets and go, yeah, yeah, I get it, spirit and truth. Let's move on, Dan. We're, we're not going to move on today. What does that mean that we've put up there on the, on the bullets? What does it mean to have the involvement of the Holy Spirit? What does it look like to be knowing and pursuing truth? I want to step into those things. When you came in this morning on your right was a shelf, had programs on it. Inside the program is an outline of the sermon you can use to take notes if you like. But there's also some devotionals. The devotionals follow along what it is that we're going to do today. Very specifically today, the devotionals are going to go along. Millie, could you give me the next slide? If you look the way I've got this slide laid out, I'm going to be talking about the involvement of the Holy Spirit, and I've got scripture references. I'm not going to read all those scripture references for you today. They are in this week's devotionals. So if you want to read them while we're going along, feel free. I will sip my water while you run up and grab a program so that you can look at the divas. Or not. But if you want, you want to go check me out, feel free to grab the devos. If you already are getting them via email or whatever, that will be cool too. The first one I want to sit on is that I can't have the Holy Spirit involved in my worship until I've received the Holy Spirit. We all live lives such that we're separated from God. When we're born, we're born with this sin nature, and that sin nature separates us from God. Right? I've talked before about little kids, and if you've hung around little kids, you, when they're getting ready to do something they know they're not supposed to do, you can say no, but all they do is go, and when you blink, they put their hand back, and they're going to go back and do it anyway. You can say no ten times, and they will play the game because they know they want to defy authority. They want to do the thing they're not supposed to do. That is a demonstration of our sin nature. Kids do it with parents. We all do it with God. Our problem is we've separated ourselves. And since we're separated, we don't have a relationship with God. And it's through our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, knowing what it is that he's already done on the cross. That Jesus lived 2,000 years ago to, pay, to do something I can't do for myself, to pay the price for my sins. And when I put my faith and trust in him and receive his forgiveness and his leadership in my life, I'm changed. I'm changed. My eternity is set, and I receive the Holy Spirit. It's not until that moment of salvation that I'm actually able to receive the Holy Spirit. And then cooler yet, Jesus three days later rose from the dead. And he's demonstrated that he has power and authority over sin and death. And when I put my faith and trust in him, I get all those things. If you've never thought about that before, if you are wondering about how this worship thing works, 
but you've never been affirmed and sure about your relationship with Jesus, let's do that today. Let's say, I get who Jesus Christ is, and I need him in my life. I mess up when I'm on my own. It's not that I'm perfect when I have Christ, but I've got his spirit that leads me and guides me and empowers me to do the things that puts me in the place that God wants me to be. After we've received the Spirit, which you can't lose, once you put your faith in Christ, we're saved, we keep the Spirit, but we have this opportunity to be filled or not filled with the Spirit. And that's what Ephesians 5.18 encourages us to do. That verse actually says, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. That there's something about our relationship with God. We can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit that's like drinking through a coffee straw or a fire hose. What would we rather be doing? If I want to be a true worshiper of God, I need to be making the move from the, fi- from the coffee straw to the fire hose so that I can be filled with His Spirit. Now, it's fun to preach this in conservative evangelical churches because maybe not here, but in some churches, when you talk about the Holy Spirit and be filled with it, people start to back up and start to go, yeah, but it doesn't look like that. And you get all the things, people that want to tell you what it's not. I I just want us to challenge ourselves for a moment. And all that worry that lots of conservative evangelicals have because of this, there's a charismatic movement where they maybe overemphasize the Holy Spirit and his manifestations. Okay, maybe they do. But that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit doesn't exist. It doesn't mean he's not supposed to be in our life. So I want us just to be quiet for a moment and wrestle with, do I know the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me? When was the last time you had a conversation with him? When was the last time you said, hey, I'm getting ready to worship. How's things? Can we do this? Let's worship. Because you can't truly worship God without the involvement of the Holy Spirit. And I think for many of us, our, our relationship with the Holy Spirit becomes like drinking through a coffee straw Because we don't take seriously the fact that there's a person of God living inside me. And I ought to be able to commune with him any time I want. So I I want us to wrestle with that. Just take a moment. I'm going to drink my water. And I want you to just take a moment. When was the last time I had a conversation with this spirit that's living inside me? Besides recognizing that, if you get to the point that you recognize, hey, I've got the Holy Spirit living inside me, we're supposed to be having a relationship. You will start to recognize moments when you're filled with the Spirit and moments when you're not. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 warns us to not quench the Spirit. We can do things that quenches that relationship. We can be drinking from the fire hose, but then when we make some poor choices, oop, I'm back to the coffee straw. And there's some choices that we get to make with that. 
the obvious choice would be walking in God's will or um, leaning into our sinful nature. It's not that God expects perfection. He knows we're going to blow it. And forgiveness is there for everybody who has a, a relationship with Jesus Christ. Where we run into the problem of quenching the Spirit is habitual sin. Is there something that I've been struggling with for a long time and I haven't dealt with it? I'm quenching the Spirit. I'm turning off the fire hose and I'm going to the coffee straw. Have I been making some decisions intentionally? I know that they're not the right thing to do, but I do them anyway. My intentional and habitual sin are the things that quench the spirit that's living inside of us. If we want to be true worshipers of God, and I want the involvement of the Holy Spirit in my life, I need to make sure I've received him first. Start my relationship with who Jesus is. Recognize that while I have this relationship with the Holy Spirit, I might be experiencing fullness or I might not. And some of that is within my power to change. And I can do things to encourage that relationship, or I can do things to quench that relationship. Besides the involvement of the Holy Spirit, to be a true worshiper of God, I also need to know and or be pursuing the truth. What do I mean, and or? And, and. I'm going to take another drink of water. I am running on only one cup of coffee. I don't know, what was that? What was I thinking? Truth. <laughs> Truth, there we go. So, I'm looking at the screen. I don't have my glasses on. What am I waiting for? First place we can get truth, the truth that all of us ought to be able to walk out and recite is what the gospel is. I am flabbergasted sometimes when I sit in a circle with some people who are professed Christians and I say, what's the gospel? And I don't get the same message out of anybody in the circle. There it is. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. If you want to read a little bit, verses 1 or 2, Paul says, this is the gospel. It is. If you need to take notes, I will talk slow. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and then rose again from the dead. All that according to the Scriptures. That's it. That's the gospel. We make it more complicated than we will like tacking on more things. However, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. If I can get those two things right, I am way out front in knowing the truth. That is uncompromisable truth. If you are a professed follower of Jesus Christ, that is something you are not allowed to negotiate away with anybody. That is the foundation of our faith. And when we put our faith and trust in that truth, 
That's the transformation that happens inside of us for our eternity and the receiving of the Holy Spirit. Getting that truth right. If you haven't got that yet, man, please do that. If you're, there's a catchy verse in John 3.16, right? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. That's okay. Memorize that one. Get some scripture inside you that is the gospel so that whether you've got a Bible or not, no matter who you're talking with, wherever you are, you can repeat, Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. That is it. We can't let go of that. That is a core belief, core truth. We can't compromise that. But the Bible is full of so many other really cool truths too. Um, I used to go to church with this guy. Um, he was big on reading the Bible. If you do spiritual gift things, he's got the spiritual gift of prophecy. Um, other folks here at North Valley Church, Amanda Shell, would feel the same way. Read your Bible. <laughs> you want truth? Read your Bible. Right? That verse up there, John 17, 17 says, your word is truth. Jesus is speaking. He's talking to his father. His word is truth. This is the truth. Now, I want to point out how important it is to have a place like this to go, and I know with confidence that this is the truth. I, was, um, I surf around news sites, stumbled onto a Fox News website, and I read an article yesterday. And Dr. Leanne Wee, or Leanne Wei, she's a doctor, been doing COVID stuff, writing articles for the Washington Post. She wrote an article this week. Oh, yeah, by the way, we may have been overestimating how many people died of COVID. <laughs> I know, just y'all taking a deep breath because of the shock and horror that y'all are feeling in that. And she said it could be as much as the real number is 30% of what we've been saying. We are not that far. We're two and a half years removed from the COVID crazy stuff. But think about that time. It was impossible to find a piece of information on any media or news site and be able to trust that it was the truth because everybody was grabbing the pieces of information they wanted it wanted and manipulating it to be the truth they wanted you to believe i like to call it um picking the truth that matches my narrative this is what i want to believe so i'm just going to keep pulling truth until i get there and that's what I'm going to share with you and try and convince you this is the truth. We live in a world where people love to do that and defend what they think is the truth. We, however, have an inspired and inerrant message from God. You want undeniable truth? Go here. Know this. Get it inside of you. It has been under scrutiny for 2,000 years. Numerous people have tried to destroy it. It's still here because it is the truth from God. If you ever need a place to go get truth, 
it needs to start here. Everything else we do in our life needs to be reflected and in, in line with what I can find here in God's Word. Bible's pretty thick. This one's got some uh, study notes in it. Um, the real homework assignment, right, if we were to do this well, we would memorize the Bible. Anybody memorize the Bible? Y'all laughing. To become Islamic, you need to memorize the Koran. Everybody who you've met who says, I'm part of the faith of Islam, has memorized the Koran. We take kind of a light view of getting this inside of us sometimes. In 2 Peter 3.18, he encourages the folks he's writing to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Stagnation is not okay. My, my, the way I like to do it is look back on your relationship with God over the past year. Can you see a difference? Have you grown? What's changed? If the answer is nothing, we need to make a change for the year coming up. If you can look back at it and go, I grew here, I grew there, I changed that, I feel good. Cool, touchdown, yay God. Let's keep doing that. We're not done. Until we've memorized this and are living by it, we ain't done. And the reality is, while we're still here on earth sucking oxygen, we're never going to get there. Knowing who God is and all the truths that he's poured in here is a lifetime pursuit. If you want to be a true worshiper of God, true worshiper needs to have truth. And there is an inexhaustible amount of truth we find inside of his word. Millie, if I could get the next slide. Now, now when I read the bullets, you cannot truly worship God without the involvement of the Holy Spirit. Where are we at with that? How is my relationship with the Holy Spirit? Do I know him at all? Have I been living in a manner so that I'm filled with the Spirit? Or have I been living in a manner so that I'm squishing him? How is my, my ability to know truth? I cannot truly worship God without knowing and pursuing truth. How have I been doing that? How has my personal time been in, in getting into his word and knowing it? How has my time been in Bible studies? Maybe in, I'm a big fan of our life groups. It's an opportunity to sit down and wrestle with other folks about God's truth so that we hear God working through everyone else in the group and it matures us, it grows us in the grace and knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. So do you catch that? Being a true worshiper of God depends on all the other stuff I'm doing in the rest of my life. Not that we have any exclusivity on worship but you can't worship God for an hour on a Sunday morning and then go home and live, do whatever you want Monday through Saturday. It will not work. You will be fooling yourself. You will be in the dangerous edge of the pool because you haven't been equipping yourself, and you'll be fooled like Cain. 
you'll be fooled like the folks that Jesus described in the coming times. I want us just to take a moment and go, what is it that I need to do to move in the direction? None of us are all there today. What do I need to do to move in the direction of being a true worshiper of God? I want to give us some time to reflect on that. And then I want to give us some time to ask Jesus to lead us and guide us in that by celebrating his communion. Jesus did live and die 2,000 years ago, and he rose from the dead. And he encouraged his followers to take a moment and take some bread and some juice. Millie, can I get the next slide? And take some juice and remember with a physical act what it is that Jesus has done, done for us. So we're going to be doing that in just a few minutes. The band is going to play a song, and while we're doing our, our song thing, why don't you take a moment and reflect? You know, Jim and Patty will be handing out materials. When you get the materials, just hold on to them. We're going to do a song, and then I will walk us through taking the materials. But during this time, take the materials and reflect. Where am I as far as being a true worshiper of God? How is my involvement inviting the Holy Spirit? How is my pursuit and knowledge of the truth? And so when you get the materials, just keep them, and I will walk us through in a minute. With no place to begin And your love made a way To let mercy come in And when death was arrested And my life began Ash was redeemed Only beauty remained My orphan heart was given a name my morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance When death was arrested and my life began And oh, your grace so free washes over me Let's go. 
Jesus wrote to the church in Corinth and described how he saw communion, what we call the Lord's Supper. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would you pray with me? Dear Father in heaven, Thank you. Thank you that you've made a way to have a relationship with you. Thank you that we get to know you. Thank you that in this, in this moment, in this life, we have the opportunity to worship the Most High God. You are worthy of our praise. And as we draw close to you, we see your wisdom. We see your beauty. We feel your glory. Lord, I pray that as we invite the Holy Spirit, as we know and pursue truth, that we are able to have true worship moments here on Sunday morning corporately, but that we can find ways to do it Monday through Saturday as well. Thank you for being the God who you are. Thank you for loving us and inviting us into a relationship with you. And we look forward to you manifesting yourself and revealing yourself to us today. In Jesus' name, amen.